Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Zero season two, episode 46. 46 or 52 weeks in a year. We're so close to the end of 2023. Oh my God, another year of phase zero onto the belt. Everything has changed and nothing has changed. I'm BD. Welcome to phase zero. Jenna's here today. Hey, everybody. I like the beanie. I like the beanie look that you got. You're, you're very festive for the winter weather. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I just got back home like an hour ago. I didn't have time to do my hair, and I just thought the beanie would save my life visually. Uh, so thank you for that. Aaron, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Dreading going to the airport later today. Oh, I'll be thinking about you. Yeah, it's not I'm fun. It's not fun. I, I, yeah, those ho- the holidays at LAX, man. Mm. It's the worst. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. worst. But we're Liam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Uh, sneaky kind of big week in news. There's a lot to cover. Uh, they might not be on the surface level of like big topics, but I think there's a lot of cool analytical points uh, that we can bring to, to to today's show. And that's exactly what you love to do. I know Mr. Mr. Statistician over there brings the facts, brings the heat. Welcome to the show, Liam. Thank you, Jamie. I believe Jamie's already on a little holiday vacation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she loves everybody here. And so she sends her best. And uh, Liam is here for uh, subbing in for Jamie. So we I want to start the, uh, the show actually today. We're going to, we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. You know, we all, a couple of us saw the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We're going to share our spoiler free reactions to that. There is, like Liam said, actually a lot of MCU news and little bits to analyze and discuss. Uh, but also, I, mean, I want to start the show because one of the biggest news stories this week was the passing of Jason David Frank. And whether you're a Power Rangers fan or not, I think that so many people in our community, the comicbook.com community, the geek fandom community, if you're on social media, you're at a minimum aware of who Jason David Frank was. If you've ever been to a comic convention, you've seen this guy bringing life to the party. And um, the reports are saying that Jason David Frank took his own life at the age of 49. And it's a tough loss under any circumstances. Uh, to lose somebody who means so much to so many people. I know a lot of people grew up uh, loving the Green Ranger and loving what Jason David Frank uh, did as a Power Ranger. Um, it's even tougher when you hear circumstances like that and you hear that somebody was going through just enough difficult uh, mental moments and hoops and struggles that they make a decision like that. Um, and so I just want to send our best, obviously, to the family of Jason David Frank, to the Power Rangers community, to everybody who who loved JDF and never got to meet him. In my limited experiences with JDF, he was always just awesome, like just an awesome guy. And you just never know when somebody's going through something like that. So to all of our listeners, I just want to tell you, listen, if you ever need help, please hit me up on Twitter. There are people who can help you. There are people in your life who love you. Uh, you know, it, it's seeing the outpouring of love for JDF was so beautiful and i want you all to realize that you have people who love you too uh we you know you have people who are here to help you and going on with your life getting through really difficult times please take it from me if you get through some really hard times where you start questioning whether you're going to go on when you do you'll you you you, you're making the right decision and there's there are options to help and things get better so we're sending our best to jdf and i hope that anybody who's going through anything similar uh, you realize, you know, you're loved and there are people who want to help you through it. Um, but if anybody else wanted to speak on JDF or, or any of that, if any of you guys were Power Rangers fans, I don't know. We don't, I've never talked to you guys about Power Rangers. Uh, but if anybody else wanted to speak on that, I wanted to open it up real quick to start the show. Um, I, I liked the series quite a bit when I was younger and still kind of do. So it was really kind of wild to see because I got like DMs from people and they were like, is 
is this true? And I, and there was such uncertainty, you know, with how online is right now, like you, you get reports, people are gone and then you have to wait for a real confirmation to see, but then like to, to get confirmation then immediately see everybody just sharing good stories about the guy. I mean, uh, at our own little corner of the universe, uh, JDF actually was the first, um, guest in the new studio in Nashville for comic book. He was the first one to help us break it in. So, and he was so nice to Chris Killian and Richard and everybody else and Jim. Uh, so he was just like, he seemed like a real light for a lot of people. And it always stinks when you see someone who meant so much to so many people uh, pass away. So is, as his legacy, it speaks for itself and how the response developed. Yeah, you just never know what somebody's going through. So never be afraid to, A, reach out for help, but also, B, reach out to your friends. Just check in and say, hey, you know, don't be afraid to tell your people in your life you love them. Let them know they're loved and and uh, make sure they know you're enjoying moments with them as well. And with the holiday season coming up, what a better time to reach out to people, okay? What a better time to just say, hey, love you, miss you. Hope to we get to catch up and connect soon. And you never know, you might save somebody's life and make a difference. And um, hopefully, you know, you never, you might never even know that you did. Um, but yeah, Jenna and Liam, I, if you wanted to, obviously no obligations to speak on this, but I wanted to give everybody the opportunity if they want to. I'm just like, you're just going to make me cry. Like, I'm not even in the Power Rangers fandom, but like you said, he was just like an institution in this industry. Like, he was he he was always such like this beacon of light for people. And so I, I echo what both of you already said, because I think it was so beautifully said. And I'm going to start crying, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, yeah, it's, 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 it's a heavy moment, but it's also, I mean, the it's also a celebration of life if you look at what people are saying about him and the impact he had on people. We can all only hope to have, you know, such an impact on people's lives, to impact people so positively. Um, I, you know, if, if it, it is, a, it, it speaks volumes to who JDF was. It's a terrible, terrible loss to lose him after losing Kevin Conroy. Um, it's tough, but Hey, we're, it, things get better. And if you need help, please, there are, there are resources, the American foundation for suicide prevention. Um, you know, you can look at their resources, their hotlines, and I, I encourage you to do so. I beg you to do so, please. Um, we're going to go on with the show. Uh, and we're going to talk about the MCU as we do. Um, I also, one other thing off topic, I wanted to say thank you uh, to everybody who came out in New York City on Monday night. It was my birthday. Uh, I chose because, honestly, because I'm trying to get Marvel to do these things with us, I chose to do this so I could have another one under the belt so we can say, hey, look what we do. Universal called. They said, hey, we want you to do a violent night screening and a Q&A with John Leguizamo. So I was able to do that in New York. Um, we had over 200 people come out. Uh, we had a really fun time watching Violent Night. It's a super fun movie. We did a Q&A with John Leguizamo afterwards, which we'll have some information uh, and stories uh, about on comicbook.com, I think, next week when we finally have some time to get to those. Um, but so, like Wim Sad Mojo, some Phase Zero listeners, I mean, lots of people came out, said, hey, they said they love, the, you know, they listen to the show, they love the show. That means so much to me. And I know it means a lot to everybody who's listening. I know you guys have had your interactions with people, you know, out in the wild, out in the world, and they'll come up and say they love the show. That never gets old. That is the best feeling in the world, like to finally be face to face and like actually, you know, you're there, you're real, you guys listen to this. That is the coolest moment. And that's a big reason why we do this. So thank you for that. Uh, and now, okay, now actually to Marvel, I promise, actually to Marvel now. Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. It sent out screeners. I got to see it last week. I wasn't allowed to say on last week's show that I had seen it. Now I finally can. Uh, Jenna, you've seen it, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. Liam, did you watch it? I did not, and it's Apple's fault, but sort of uh, time. Apple. Aaron, and I, I think you had a problem trying to watch it, right? Yes, yes. I was not quick enough on the draw, it seems, to uh, get in. So, <sighs> Okay, well, two more days, two more days. Yep. Yeah. All right, Jenna, what did you think of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Spoiler free. Yes, um, I, I thought it is just, it's so fun. It's so earnest and heartfelt. I cannot wait already to like rewatch it with like a, a festive winter drink in hand after eating like Thanksgiving dinner and just kind of like, just, it is so, it's it's so warm and fun and exactly what you would want it to be. I, I had kind of gone in expecting it to be a little bit campier, kind of like the Star Wars holiday special. It has moments of camp, but it is just such a fun story for the Guardians. It feels like, when you're reading a one-shot comic of just like this group of superheroes celebrates Christmas and you just get everything with that. it I, I can't wait for people to see it and I can't wait for people to talk about it because I feel like there's just enough in there that can be spoken about and that can just be enjoyed. Like James Gunn just knocked it out of the park. I think it's so great. 
Yeah, it's it's like simultaneously feels like, you know, big spectacle because it has top tier characters from MCU movies on the small screen. But it isn't like, you know, it doesn't have the scale of a movie. It's not this big, crazy story, this big game changer. But Jen, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Like in the first like five minutes of this thing, just in the conversations, you're like, wait, whoa, that's a key detail. Hold on. That's a thing I got to talk about on phase zero. Hold on. We got to geek out about that thing. So there are a lot of cool MCU little tie things that you're like, oh, wow, that seems like it's going to be important. And then ultimately, before it's over, you know, there's even more. There's even deeper ties that you're like, oh, this is definitely a factor in volume three. Okay, cool. So I really appreciated that, obviously. But even MCU ties aside, which is the first place my mind goes because I'm trying, always trying to program this show, it's just fun. It's just really, really fun. Pom Clementief and Dave Bautista are hilarious together. Love them. Um, and they're the stars of this one. I mean, Rocket, Cosmo, Groot, Peter Quill, Kraglin, all great. But this is the Drax and Mantis show, finally. And I love a special presentation format. And it was very good. It was very good. We have an interview with James Gunn on the on the Phase Zero YouTube channel right now. A few thousand of you have already watched it. Thanks for that. We talked about a few things. I won't spoil it all here, but I will bullet point it. I encourage everybody to go watch this interview. Give us plus one of the view, but not during the live show. Uh, he told me why he didn't use Nova, which is never the right answer. But <laughs> he said that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 did not actually have uh, Nova in it at any point when he was working on it. He, he wanted Peter Quill to be the only human in the movie. And then if you look at the Guardians roster, all of them are the only like species, only being of their species. So they're all kind of fish out of water, surrounded by other aliens. So that was an interesting story. He should have used Nova, though. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, very much Rocket Raccoon story. I'm pretty sure he said that before, but he talked about it in more detail. And he talked about how the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, in a little bit like slightly spoilery detail, like he says, like the name of their ship and things like that. If you want to know nothing, Skip that last question in that interview. But if you want to know a little bit, uh, go watch the James Gunn interview um, on uh, on the Phase Zero YouTube channel. Now, I thought it'd be fun since this is the holiday special, and you know tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and uh, we you know we're going to go around the table here to say something about the MCU we're thankful for. Ooh. I think that'd be fun. Oh, Jenny, you're at the top of the screen. Oh gosh. Well, the MCU gave me my favorite Marvel character this year. So that is my gut reaction. I'm thankful for She-Hulk, the show, and all of the weird little wonderful things within it because I still cannot believe that that show exists. So, Liam? All right. I got a bit of a lengthy one here, but bear with me because I need to give these people their shine. The phase four costume department. Yes. Oh my God. Every single thread I saw on screen in the past couple of years was absolutely incredible. The Sam Wilson cap suit by Michael Crow, the white black widow suit uh, by Janie Tamime, every era of WandaVision, uh, Maisie Rubio, the Moon Knight suit, Megan Kasperlick, uh, the entire TVA aesthetic in Loki uh, by Christine Wada, Kate Bishop was also Michael Crow, uh, the three Spider-Man being recreated, Sanja Milkovich Hayes, uh, Black Panther 2, everything from Ruth E. Carter. She won an Oscar for the first movie, Kind of think she might get nominated again for, for Wakanda Forever. Uh, and then Miss Marvel by Arjun Basin. Uh, just everything uh, throughout Phase 4. Visually stunning, specifically with the suits. Uh, so I got to love the Phase 4 costume department. I dig it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Aaron? Um, I guess if I had to think uh, the cons, because it, it, it's like... I feel like the MCU kind of functions off of the supporting characters sometimes too. You really need like strong supporting characters to help carry these movies. It can't just all be like the main actors, actresses. And I really feel like they really hit it out of the parks to the point where uh, I, I think it was some, I was, I was talking with Neebs on Twitter and we were both laughing about like, no, 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 no. that's, that's the best family here. We love, you know, uh, Scarlet and, and Natasha's very dysfunctional, borscht-themed setup, uh, and of course all the Wakand, all the Wakandan culture that we got and Wakanda Forever. But I really, I'm like, man, like you, the say what you will about the shows, they really did come on her people's right during that. I'm grateful for this show. Ooh. If not for the MCU, we wouldn't have Phase Zero and the awesome community. So that's what I'm grateful for. That's what I'm grateful for. All right, we gotta get you to just teed guys. up this whole segment just to say that. That was it. I just wanted to be like, <laughs> I love you guys. Woo! Um, I'm like, I, I haven't slept in 30 days. So 
it's all the same to me. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't even know. Sometimes I just run out of things, but I'm like, hold on. I don't know how to shut up. Um, all right. God, I, it's another one. Me and a, okay, then I'm going to finally shut up after this next news story. Black Panthers, Black Panther Wakanda Forever box office has already beaten Black Adam's entire box office run. Now, why are we comparing them? Simply because they're two comic book movies that came out closely together. Uh, that's what you do. Everybody talks about comic book movies. Black Panther Wakanda Forever made $180 million domestically in its first weekend. It has made $546.3 million worldwide so far as of this past Sunday. Thank you, Jenna, for adding that note to the notes here. Uh, Black Adam has made $367.5 million so far. First of all, I want to point out, I thought Black Adam would make more money. That's that, I thought it would do better. Uh, it hasn't opened in China, which is definitely a factor. Definitely a pretty big factor. I don't know the markets Wakanda Forever has, but we always knew Black Panther Wakanda Forever was going to outperform Black Adam. I just didn't know it would happen this quickly. So The Rock first went on Twitter, and he congratulated Black Panther for its big weekend, and he didn't do any comparisons. But then IGN, and I don't know, you know, there might be a connection here that IGN gave Black Adam a pretty bad review. Maybe The Rock remembered that. But IGN made a post that said Black Panther has already, you know, beaten all of Black Adam's box office hall and The Rock went ahead and responded. And I don't know if this is sarcasm. He said, what a neutral post. I love competing, but IGN, you guys are in the biz with us. And there's no competition with the established global brand of Black Panther compared to Black Adam and JSA, who a year ago, no one even heard of. No need to knock us. We're new babies and have to grow. Okay. Okay. I know Jenna. Actually, I know Jenna has thoughts on this. So Jenna, go, go right, please. As, as the DC person, I obviously have to weigh in on this. I obviously have thoughts. I, I think, I, first of all, the whole contest between Marvel and DC is so funny on so many levels. It's so pointless on a lot of levels. Um, but I, I get that we naturally always have to have this conversation. I agree with what Dwayne said in his tweet of Black Adam and the JSA are not these known quantities on a large cultural scale yet. And I think that that is, it's kind of a false comparison to compare that then to Black Panther, which is already based on a billion dollar movie, has all of the behind the scenes Chadwick of it all. It, it was never going to be any contest that Wakanda Forever would make more money, but I don't think it necessarily needed to like Black Adam didn't need to make more money to prove its worth. I think that people are enjoying the movie. It already is the number one movie on VOD when it was released on there yesterday. So I think it will still have legs. It will still find an audience. They will still keep making more of these movies. It's just such a funny comparison to make. I, the whole discourse is just so wild to me. I want to see what uh, uh, is this Mushafkir uh, in the comments says A24 presents Black Adam. That's the movie <laughs> I wanted to see. That's what I would have loved to see what that would have been. It would have been so weird. Um, it, it really is apples to oranges. And despite poor James Gunn's best intentions and in trying to make it so that people don't do this comparison or pick sides, because Lord, we joke around about being the Marvel help desk on Twitter. James Gunn is both the Guardians of the Galaxy help desk and the DCU help desk all at the same time. He needs to get some interns. <laughs> if, he, if he needs any help, let us know. Uh, our PayPal is in the description. Um, but yeah, it's not really a, a complete comparison. Uh, they both do different things, very different, different movies too. Like, I don't know. Poor Dwayne, he's not hurting for any money. He's yeah. not hurting for any money. <laughs> He's just going to throw a bench. It's, it'll be all right. <laughs> I also think like Black Adam was supposed to come out in the summer, like before um, VFX stuff and all of that delayed it. I feel like it is a summer movie through and through. Like it is just a very fun, big, ridiculous action movie. And I feel like if it had played in the summer, the box office conversation would be so different. But because it came out so close to Black Panther and they're both two superhero movies released in the same time, this was the conversation we were going to have. The only, tickets, the only tickets I see Black Adam selling for the next couple of weeks is if somebody shows up to the theater and they see the little LED screen and the title's too long, they have to put dot, 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 and they see black and they think they're buying a ticket to Black Panther <laughs> or they accidentally buy a ticket to Black Adam. And this movie always only had three weeks to, to be successful because Black Panther was always going to eat its lunch. Like there, it, that's the, you know, it's, I remember when Avengers Endgame came out and Detective Pikachu was like, psych, we're moving back. Like, it's just that was always what was going to happen. You're, they, I mean, no, Black Adam was never going to make Black Panther money. Nobody expected it to. I think it's kind of weird to say the JSA, nobody heard of them. I love you, DJ. If you happen to be watching the show and you're a huge Phase Zero fan, I'll mail you a sticker. I still, I, I enjoyed Black Adam quite a bit. I want a sequel, but he is right. There is no need to compare them, but also we have to find talking points. It's our job, and it's, they're two comic book movies and theaters at the same time. Liam's got thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the only comparison is the fact that Black Panther did it in such little time to to beat Black Adam. But at the same time, like we're all in this together. Shout out High School Musical. Like these theatrical movies need to make money in order for them to continue happening. Like if we can compare streaming numbers all the live long day, because at the end of the day, those are like separate entities and Disney Plus is still going to generate revenue, even if the news about Bob Chapek kind of dispels that. Same thing with HBO Max and all that. But like, Theatrical movies need to be successful. It doesn't matter whether it's DC, Marvel, Universal, Sony, like these things need to make money. And uh, The Rock also comes from the world of professional wrestling where it's always told uh, when you are scripted to beat someone to still lift up your opponent in defeat because in the end of the, at the end of the day, they did the job for you. They made you look like a bigger star. Uh, so never like bury your opponent on their way out. And not that these movies are pitted against each other, uh, but we should be trying to uplift each other rather than, you know, dispel. And also Black Adam has been like a pretty good success. I know marketing and budget and casting costs make it needing like 500 million just to break even. But who would have thought, you know, the Shazam villain would make 367 worldwide a month into its theatrical release? Like, I think it's pretty impressive, and uh, I just love how much The Rock cares about this character. It's cool to see the movie star really promoting the movie. Yeah, it's this one. I mean, this dude was, I don't know if I've ever seen uh, somebody <laughs> go through a press source as aggressively as The Rock tried to sell Black Adam, and that's a huge level of respect. I mean, that's why all his Under Armour lines say hardest worker in the room. I like the, A lot of actors go on press tours, but the Black Adam press tour, that man was going through it, giving people extra time, just I mean, he was selling this movie, and I respect that. And it it didn't open in China, so it would. It, I don't know if it ever will. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not actually. I think it and Wakanda Forever are both banned from China, so uh, I, okay. that which is also kind of an interesting numbers game because I feel like that's part of why Black Adam just got released on VOD too, because it's like to kind of make up for the numbers that it would have potentially gotten from China. So. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well. I'm I'm rooting for Black Adam's success because I want a sequel. I love The Rock as Black Adam, even though the movie had its flaws. It was still fun. So anyway, we got we got some more Black Panther stuff to talk about. Yeah. So Damian Priest from WWE, uh, former United States champion, North American champion in NXT, kind of a lesser known name compared to wrestlers turned actors. We know our Batistas, Rock, Cena's, etc. Uh, but he was asked to read for Namor, according to Fightful Select, a very reputable uh, site in terms of the wrestling sphere. Um, it wasn't clear if the reading ever specifically happens, but Marvel apparently inquired to have him read for the character slash also another Talacan member. Based on his look, if you're familiar with what Damian Priest's vibe is, uh, he looks a lot like Atuma. So that makes me think that they would have had him in kind of a lesser speaking role, more of just a physical presence for that character. I loved what they did with all of Talacan and Atuma specifically. I think I want to see him get more shine in a sequel movie or a Disney Plus series down the line. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting that Damian Priest, a lesser known wrestler, being considered for a pretty pronounced role in Marvel's biggest movie of the year. Uh, I don't know if anyone is familiar with Priest specifically, um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on reaching out to non-actors for specifically big Marvel roles. He's a big fella. Like, I mean, not like the same way The Rock is, but he's like six foot 90. And he's, yeah. he's like, I mean, he's a, just a, a physically intimidating individual just by looking at him. So I think he would have been a pretty good Atuma. Yeah. Would have completely changed Namor. Because like, you know, not that Tanel Schwerta was any slouch, but Damian Priest is like pretty shredded. Like physically, it's a, they're different body types. He's tall and shredded. And uh, I don't know, I think he would have been a pretty good and menacing, just physically present Atuma. But, I, you know, I think Alex Levinale did a good job. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Alex. Alex is a pretty big boy too. Um. Uh. So that that's so interesting because, like, I guess the skill sets like map to each other. Like, you have to be a certain amount of good on a mic to be a good professional wrestler, right? It's not just the physical performance. It's line delivery. It's promos. All that stuff. You know, being able to make it look real. That's why you see all these combat sports people crossing over into acting because they can do the physical stuff and some of them can talk, some of them cannot. Um. But yeah, it would have totally, it would have been very, very different. Also, man, oh, man, I don't need no bigger person throwing poor Okoye into that spear. <laughs> that I don't just, think I need that. Yep, that was what I just <laughs> thought of. I was like, man, if Damien Priest was dislocating her shoulder and that spear on the ground. Whew. Still the most visceral reaction in the theater during the entire time, definitely, was that moment. 
Yeah, no, it'd be interesting though, because it seems like once you have a conversation with Marvel, you end up in Marvel. So, hey, Marvel, talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so speaking of Marvel, um, and speaking of you know, I said earlier that the Marvel versus DC discourse is always kind of silly. So is the asking directors about Marvel movies discourse. Um, and the newest the newest director to enter this is Quentin Tarantino. Um, he he spoke to Variety and he basically said that Marvel stars are not movie stars. He said, quote, part of the Marvelization of Hollywood is you have all of these actors who have become famous playing these characters, but they're not movie stars, right? Captain America is the star or Thor is the star. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I think it's been said a zillion times, but it's like, you know, it's these franchise characters that become the star i i have just avoided so much of this this discourse on twitter because it just seems so all over the place i can almost see where he's coming from but i also think it is such a weird bone to pick and i feel like it's a little unnecessary so what do y'all think about it i agree with him really you do yeah i mean anthony mackie said the same thing i know i'm not on an island here i don't i mean i'm sure quentin tarantino he if you if you read like if you read that article he talks quite a bit more about how he's just like, yeah, as a kid, I grew up, I loved Marvel. You know, I'm the only thing that I have any gripe with, if I had to have a gripe, is that these are like the only movies that get made, which I don't agree with. I think lots of other movies get made. You know, if you're, you get more money and better opportunity if you're a franchise film, no doubt. But I do agree, not just for Marvel, but all franchises, people go see characters more than they see actors now. And that's been proved. I mean, it's very hard for these actors to leave Marvel and go post very successful numbers outside of the MCU. And it, like it, in the 90s, people used to go see actors. And now it has shifted to go and see characters because you you more so know what you're going to get because you get invested in the character more than you get invested in the actor. Personally, that's what I think. It, it's an interesting corollary. And the entire discourse in Jenna is that meme of the girl walking, trying to walk away and a guy playing a two, like a, like a trombone <laughs> in their yeah. ear. That's yeah. exactly what the effect of this is on Twitter. Um, but it, it, it is like, there are exceptions and that's what makes it so frustrating because ev- there, there are a lot of my family members that will go see something. Cause Dwayne rock Johnson is in it. And it don't matter what it is. It don't matter what's going on. I had a friend who went to see Fast 9 literally just because Cena was the villain in it. You know what I mean? And even though uh, someone would probably counter, like, John Cena is a character, which is fair. True. Uh, never give up. Uh, but it, it's it, there are some people who sort of break through. I mean, the gray man... The reason me and Ariel sat through and watched that was because of Gosling and Evans just bickering at each other for about two hours. <laughs> Brandon, I saw that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, know I, you know I love the Russo brothers, but why didn't anybody go see Tom Holland and Cherry? Uncharted didn't make Uncharted only made money because of Tom Holland, I think, but it still wasn't like a, a block a box office blockbuster by what you know you would have wanted it to be. They wait so long to make these movies. Remember, like when Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be freaking Nathan Drake? Yeah. Like it was a long time ago. That's part of it too. Like if that, like God bless, wow, this is a paramount, this is a paramount household. Uh, if <laughs> Halo had came out in like 2007 instead of like last year, it would have done such crazy numbers. But it takes them like a decade to make the thing. I don't. That that seemed to be what happened there. I was like, we've had. They announced this when like Uncharted 2 came out. We are on Uncharted 4 and they're about to reboot it again on PS5 in like a year and a half. Someone timestamped that so when I'm right, they can point it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on this quote. I'm so damn sick of people asking these directors about Marvel <laughs> movies, like promote their own, mo- I don't know. It's I. You know what the result is gonna be. Regardless of what they say, it's gonna create this discourse that happens once every three months we're all going to fight about it. But I do take BD's side on this. I, I do think Tarantino is right. The characters sell the movies more than the actors sell the movies. If you want evidence of that, Robert Downey Jr., do little. Did any of us see that? Like, no. And that's kind of restructured what he's doing going forward. He's going to be an Oppenheimer uh, as a supporting cast member because the directors almost sell the movies more than the movie stars nowadays. Christopher Nolan, jo- uh, Jordan Peele very recently with Nope, um, Tarantino himself. So I, I don't think that this quote is ridiculous. I do think it's being taken out of context uh, very much so. But yeah, at the end of the day, like we're talking about with Black Adam versus Black Panther box office, just celebrate that movies are making money. Like, I don't think we should 
pit franchises against each other, directors against each other. I would love to see Tarantino take on Marvel characters one day. He never will. But like when we keep creating this online discourse of like an us versus them mentality, it's only going to make us all frustrated in the end. And there are still some movie stars that sell movies. Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick. I Tom think that Cruise was just is like one of the last remaining. Yeah. yeah. And also That's the plot of Maverick, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one more of that that I'll add is, uh, I mean, he's not a movie star in the sense, like you said, John Cena is a character in and of himself. Uh, but Harry Styles, the amount of teenage girls that went to see Dunkirk that did not care about the plot of that movie, just Harry Styles was in it. The amount of people that DM'd me after Eternals being like, is it true Harry Styles is in it? I want to go see it. And I'm like, I'm not going to confirm or deny, but like there are some people that still do move the needle. So Absolutely. I don't know. Definitely. But I, I don't think you can make blanket statements about these things anyway. And I don't, and I personally, I, I agree with the sentiment of what, what, what Tarantino said. I don't, I don't think he was like taking a jab at Marvel with this because I think he's just being honest. Like, I think he probably understands the business quite well. And also, yes, while people go see the characters, they also go see the actors who play the characters. Like if you suddenly had Chris Evans not playing Steve Rogers in Captain America Civil War, the turnout's different. If you did Spider-Man No Way Home and Tom Holland was suddenly unavailable and then Asa Butterfield steps in to play Peter Parker, wait, oh no, I slipped. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but, but you know, somebody else is playing that character. It's, it's completely, so yes, the, the actor and the character go hand in hand when the actors play the character so well, but a lot of people don't go follow the actors from these big franchises with Marvel and DC into other things. Some people do, absolutely. A lot of people were more excited for Uncharted because it was Tom Holland, but Uncharted even still could barely be like a blockbuster despite having the biggest star in the world at the time a couple months after No Way Home. I will I also, say oh. one, one quick caveat I will say on this point of whether it's going to be proven true or false uh, will come with Captain America 4 because that franchise is retaining the title, retaining the mantle, but now we have a new actor coming in and assuming said mantle. It's a billion dollar franchise, and obviously Marvel has changed since the last Captain America movie was released, but I think May of 2024, we can maybe revisit this quote and see exactly how much people are drawn to character. I mean, where where were the people for, for Don't Worry Darling? Where were the people for 21 Bridges? Ooh, I like man, 21 Bridges. You do? Yeah. <laughs> you like what? I, it's it's ranked higher now now that he's gone i have to be nice about it now i have to be say something good um i mean 21 bridges was so fine of a movie it was okay it's another it's one okay. with the russos it's, it's all right and but the russos are another example of this everybody was hyped 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 to see their infinity war and endgame and have they had like a huge huge box office hits obviously nobody's going to put out another endgame like nobody's expecting that but they they seem to you know be dabbling in all kinds of different things and none of them are like really standout hits if that you know i don't even think that's a jab at the russos i watch everything the russos put out because i like them i'm one of the people who are proving my own argument wrong but i don't know i also feel like part of the discourse of like i feel like the reason why twitter has latched onto this comment so much is because like tarantino unintentionally attacked like the two best hollywood chrises of like when you bring in up captain america and you bring up thor like obviously people are going on the defense for like hemsworth and evans but i like it's the thing that chris and i always say of like there are big characters and small actors and small actors and big characters of like you can like going back to black adam having pierce brosnan play dr fate a character who like most general audiences don't know about unless they read comics or they play like injustice 2 or like having Angelina Jolie play Thena. Nobody really knew who Thena was, but oh my God, Angelina Jolie's in a Marvel movie. I'm going to go see that. So I think like that is part of how the industry is starting to work of like elevating these characters and elevating the actors. So I agree with Tarantino's point. It's just like, it's mutated to something so far beyond what he actually meant to say. Yeah. I love I that mean, segment. It seems like none of us really have like a crazy far apart stance on this. Like he, there's a bit of logic to it. It can't be a blanket statement. You can't really, it's just, it is what it like. And I don't, I honestly don't think he was throwing shade. Maybe he was, but maybe I'm giving too much credit, but whatever. Speak, <laughs> speaking of weird, different universes and, and things not making a ton of sense, uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and a Amy Pascal are bringing us silk over with Amazon and Walking Dead's Angela uh, Kang is serving as the showrunner. So I wonder what exactly do we make of spider-man tv outside of disney plus that i'm assuming we will all watch because of it being tangentially related to all this other spider stuff in the like the pipeline for sony 
Brandon. Oh my God. The turkey got to him early. Wow. Listen, I love uh, many of the names you just named. (laughs) But with live action Spider-Man stuff from Sony, I just never know what I'm going to get. And I also just have a hard time believing I'm even going to get it. Silk is dope. Chris Miller, Phil Lord are dope. Love Angela Kang. She really did her best to save The Walking Dead when given the dealt the most abysmal hand to to try to save a sinking ship. I think Angela Kang's great. So and uh, in <laughs> so, but sorry, someone else. This is one of those shows that has been like so far in the works for so long. I'm just gonna keep talking just to distract from BD. Uh, but like I've written about this show like so many times over the past couple of years and I've basically been able to write the same thing every time because nothing has really happened with it. But this is one of those projects that I've always wanted to potentially see happen, but it almost felt like Channing Tatum's Gambit movie of like, maybe we'll get this, maybe we won't. We'll just see oh, how Lord. things shake out. I, I like all of the names that are involved with this. I think it has the potential to be really cool. I was joking in our work Slack, I can't wait for this to be on Prime Video and for Thursday Night Football ball to have to awkwardly segue of like don't forget to watch Silk <laughs> Spider Society on Prime Video like I I want to see this show succeed I think it could be really cool if it does but I have no idea what their plan is I don't even think Sony knows half of the time so <laughs> see I've been hurt before <laughs> yeah. yeah Liam Patrick you Mahomes know. with a pass as smooth as Silk <laughs> and speaking of Silk yeah check out yeah it's gonna be something <laughs> like that um to make a, a wrestling comparison bear with me um, I love AEW, but the amount of companies they work with makes it so much of a chore to follow storylines. It's like, you got to watch New Japan to be caught up on this storyline, and then it's going to continue on Impact Wrestling. Like, So now we have Amazon within this Spider-Verse, and then go see the movies as well. But then they're also on Stars now, I think, sure the are. Spider-Universe movies. And then Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies are coming to Disney Plus in like 2023 or something. There are too many areas to navigate to follow this very convoluted story as is the the storyline of sony spider-man movies makes little to no sense when you look at it from a narrative perspective and now we have to jump from amazon to sony to disney plus just to follow it all it's it's a recipe for disaster and i really kind of hope that they smooth the waters because this could be cool there's a lot of good talent behind it see also, a small note, Liam, they're calling Stars Lionsgate Plus at the start of next year. So you're going to need to uh, file that away for yourself there. You're going to get it out. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, though, the narrative of Sony Spider movies outside of the Spider-Man trilogy is just we have the rights to Spider-Man characters and we want to make money with them. Like that That's all it seems to be. Anything else in terms of plot almost seems to be happening accidentally. The Spider-Verse movies are incredible, but I, I don't think that's necessarily Sony actively trying to make them incredible it's just that they got really good people making them so i don't know this narrative so nuts it's it's very it's gonna be very very interesting because some of the stuff you've heard about madam webb is so out there and just nutty that i'm like how in the world are you ever gonna like tom holland's peter storyline does not seem to link into have any entry point into much less the venom movies which are their own thing too at the same time poor brad is just he just threw he just threw some of y'all who are not watching at home I y'all mean, are missing watching, out listening to this Brandon is looks like he's a hostage it looks like someone's <laughs> gonna tell him to build a suit with a box of scraps up in the corner <laughs> like excited yay <laughs> Cut right, to like listen. two, three years from now when we have to be talking about Silk and you're going to be like, I love this show so much. Okay, you know what? I'll be the first in line to admit it if it's good. If uh, if it's good. And Chris Miller and Phil Lord are geniuses. This very well could be good, but I'm not going to lie. I'm tired of the apps. I'm tired of separate universes that bait us with a bunch of bullshit about being connected when they're not. Like, y'all just stole Vulture back? Okay, great. Go do whatever you're going to do to mess up the character of Vulture after he was perfect in Homecoming. Whatever, man. I Please, for the love of God, just do Silk well. I'll be there and I'll tell you it's great. But until then, I, I I've been hurt too many times in these in these in these spinoff things. I, I can already see the meme when this thing gets like announced and there's a title card and the quote retweet is gonna be has to do with Spider-Man, I think. Like that's just that's gonna be everyone's reply. Let's talk about Blade. Uh <laughs> Blade with the new director, uh Jan Demange of Lovecraft Country and Top Boy, which is a movie. Um, but Giannis directed episodes of Lovecraft Country. Got a new writer, Michael Starbury, 
who wrote When They See Us and the Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete. Uh, it is reportedly going to be darker than any MCU project so far. Still no word on an R rating, so probably not going to happen, but darker. Woo, it's going to be dark. Uh, and the former director, Bassam Tariq, weighed in on the new director being hired on Instagram and said, the news is finally out. My dear brother, Jan Munir Demange. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I, I will know how to pronounce this man's name very soon correctly. I hope I got it right. Uh, is directing Blade. Y'all are in for a real treat. Jan is... Well, Jan was instrumental in giving me the courage to start developing uh, Mogul Mowgli. He played a pivotal role during post as well, helping Riz, my editor, Adam Biskupski, and myself get the film across the finish line during that time. And during the pandemic, Jan became a cherished friend and brother. I couldn't be happier for him. So cool to see the former Blade director support the new Blade director. I don't really feel like there's too much to speak about here. You know, it's kind of all fallen into place, and I feel like the Blade updates are just going to start coming and and very slowly trickling in, and they'll actually make a movie at some point. And look at that. We have faith in this because Marvel Studios usually follows through unless you're making an Inhumans movie. I'm just happy that, like, anyone from Lovecraft Country, like, gets to play in the superhero space. Like, I just love that the numbers of people getting to do that is, is just continuing to grow. I, I like this creative team. I think this will be great. So your bit about the R rating, I find it really interesting that, like, this and Deadpool 3 are kind of, like, being developed very concurrently to each other. And it's like, we know Deadpool 3 is, like, 95% sure to have an R rating. So I feel like that is then going to be proof of concept for whether or not Blade could potentially be the same. But even if it's not, I think they're really going to push, like, how far they can go with pg-13 because it's blade you have to i mean my thing is the audience the marvel audience i was what 15 when iron man came out just turned 31 my god uh and here we are you know the marvel audience has grown up a couple of rated movies wouldn't be the worst thing in the world they don't have to happen to be enjoyable but they certainly wouldn't hinder the experience of an audience that has gotten more mature So just sad. My boy Elegance is not going to get to direct this project. Oh, yeah. But I think we're I think we're going to get something good because Jenna's right. Lovecraft's really nutty. Like it's really, really wild visually, like more than anything else. That's what really kind of helped carry it for me. Uh, so seeing someone from there getting their chance uh, and then very like the writer. These are like sort of more like serious credits. Uh, like I was like, oh, that's a little bit different. So Hoping for the best. At some point, there will be a movie, like Brandon said. <laughs> if Maybe. it becomes a series, I will cry. <laughs> it's I cool will... to see. I was just oh. going to say, it's cool to see some synergy, too, between the directors being passed, because this is not exactly a new concept within post-Phase 4 Marvel. Like we saw uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness get taken over by Sam Raimi. Fantastic Four is being taken over by Matt Shackman. Um, and when those two changes happened, I don't remember seeing any quotes uh, that the previous director was like, oh, I kind of helped bring in the new person to realize the vision or whatever. Uh, and it seems like Basam and Jan, even if they weren't like working coherently, like not like uh, Jan was recommended by Basan, uh, it's cool to see that they have like a relationship beforehand. Um, and I think that this is going to be a different movie than what Basam intended because I heard, we all heard the rumblings that like the script wasn't necessarily up to par. Uh, but still, it, it's cool to see kind of a seamless transition between directors. And I will say to Aaron's point, um, go watch like the first scene of Lovecraft Lovecraft Country, like the pilot episode, like the first like five or 10 minutes of it are so wild. Watch that because Jan directed that and like you'll be excited for him to do this movie because I have a feeling he could just get super nuts with it. Before we take a quick break, there's one comment I want to call out from the comment section. Julia said there's still more people, including younger people, becoming Marvel fans all the time, which was when I was talking about how uh, you can make some more mature already concepts. So I'm listen. Think about this like the Lego store. I grew up with Legos. Now I can walk into the Lego store and I'll, on one side of the store you got all the colorful stuff that's aimed at the kids, and on the right side of the store usually you got like all the sleek black boxes. It's a little bit more expensive. Makes me feel better about buying a Lego because I'm supposed to be a grown man. Whatever. Uh, and when I buy the damn Razor Crest and it looks really cool and clean, like this adult-oriented package, I, I absolutely feel great about buying that. A little bit more so than I feel about buying the little $20 uh, Shang-Chi, like, which I bought anyway. But it's, you know, all colorful and all kinds of kid-oriented and stuff like that. Like, I think you can find a balance because these people who have been with you are now older the same way people who grew up with Lego are now also older and willing to buy it because we got a little bit more money now than we did when we were 10. And uh, 
Same thing with the movies. We can go see movies. We'll we'll choose movies that hopefully you know adults can enjoy. But I'm not saying make movies that kids can't go see. But uh, but yeah, it is good to keep a mix. That's actually exactly what Julia just said. Um, but yeah, I think there's a balance there. All right, we're gonna take a quick minute. When we come back, we're gonna um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We're gonna do a new segment <laughs> called "Will They Join or Return to the MCU?" Questions asked by ComicBook.com, uh, and we're gonna answer more questions from the comment section. So please drop some questions in there. We will try to save them for the end of the show and write them down and remember them as best we can and answer them. We'll be back in a minute. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast Welcome, welcome back to Phase Zero Season 2, Episode 46. I just noticed that Peter snuck Zemo in there with a box of cranberry sauce in his hand. Uh, Peter, Peter loves his Zemo, doesn't he? All right, this is a quick segment we're going to call Will They or Won't They Return or Join to the MCU? Because every time I do an interview, I get a message from my boss, who none of you know our boss. We got a man behind the curtain. We have our little machine of our own, and he really is an algorithm, a human algorithm that lives behind the scenes at comicbook.com. We tell him who we're interviewing, and he says he sends an article where somebody said literally anything ever wants tying them to Marvel or DC. Make sure you ask about this, and if you don't, I know where you live. That's exactly how it goes. And I'm so sorry for, for revealing the man behind the curtain. But that meant when I interviewed Daniel Craig, Jessica Henwick, Hennick, Ross Marquand, Kyle Chandler, and Ed Norton. I had to ask about Marvel because I host a Marvel show, and that's what pays the bills. So, Daniel Craig, is it true he was almost bald to the brave, or would he want to join the MCU? Quote, I should be so lucky. We should, Daniel. We should. Jessica Hennick, will she return as Iron Fist because Finn Jones gave her his blessing? She said, uh, you know, at the end of the show, she had a fist, and she was ready to fist, and she seems to know more than that. Um, the most interesting choice of words I've ever heard for whether or not you would return to the MCU, but we're going to leave it at that. Ross Marquand said, I can neither confirm nor deny that, but I would very much jump at the chance. Ross, if you didn't know, was uh, Red Skull in Avengers Endgame, and he is the voice of Ultron both in What If and in Doctor Strange with the Multiverse of Madness, and his schedule just recently cleared up because my boy just wrapped up The Walking Dead with the final episode, having aired this past Sunday. Congrats to the Walking Dead cast and crew. Love those people. Kyle Chandler. He was hot for rumors to play Cable back before Deadpool 2 came out. He's promoting Slumberland. Oh, I should name all the projects these people are doing because that was the reason for these interviews. Daniel Craig and Jessica Hennick are in Glass Onion, a fantastic movie, which is in theaters today. Highly recommend you go see that. Uh, it is it is really, really good. If you like Knives Out, it's only in theaters for a week. It is then on Netflix a month from now. So A, you get to see it now. B, you get to see it in theaters. C, you don't have to wait. All right, Kyle Chandler promoting Slumberland, which is now on Netflix it's a movie. Never got the check, never got the call when it comes to Cable. Uh, the rumor is he was Tim Miller's pick for Cable. Tim Miller did not end up directing Deadpool 2. David Leach did, and Josh Brolin got the role. Kyle Chandler knew the rumor, said it was never uh, something that was actually proposed to him. Ed Norton about the Hulk. I sat across from him and Janelle Monet, and I did not have the balls to bring up the Hulk, so we do not have word from Ed Norton on whether or not he's going to return. I was like, yeah, this interview's going well. 
this seems like a guy who I won't like when he's angry, so I'm just going to leave it. So, <laughs> for once, I finally left the Marvel question out of the interview. All the haters, you know, go ahead and <laughs> revel in that. Um, but the rest of them did pay the bills. Any of those people, do you want to see them in the MCU more than the others? Daniel Craig, for me. I feel like there are so many places you could put him. I feel like I've seen in the comments he would be a really good Mr. Sinister. Like, he is the type of actor who, especially now that he's done with Bond, he like he can just go ham and just do some really crazy performances. So let him lean into that in the MCU. I think it would be great. Yeah, Craig also is a weird one where I think he could be both a good Professor X and Magneto. Like, he could play both sides of that coin. But, like, let's be real. Like, Mr. Sinister feels a lot more likely because probably going to be a one-off villain if and when we get him and craig's not signing a six picture deal so i'm gonna leave my my x-men hopes at the hmm. door interesting interesting are there any of those people uh i think the way that they bring stuff back you might even just get him as bald of the brave for five to ten minutes in secret wars alongside him and hemsworth doing physical comedy together because i don't know if you've seen that weird vodka ad that taika mm -hmm. waititi directed like so last good. week craig's down to clown a little bit so we'll see i love daniel craig man two years in a row he's got my favorite movie i think glass onion might be my favorite movie of the year it's so good and last year no time to die was my favorite wow. so yeah he's he's the man um i would love to see ed norton return as the hulk if it meant we got a raging hulk and we got to drop the smart hulk but that's just me. I know. Listen, I know. I'm not taking it back. Whatever. We're moving on. Yeah. So um, Captain America 3 almost looked very, very different from what we ended up getting in Civil War. Um, Nate Moore, a friend of the show, has been on the show. Go listen to his interview. Um, talked to the Town podcast about what the original plans were. And this is a very long quote. So I'm just going to summarize a lot of it and then read part of it. Um, basically, they wanted Cap and Bucky to reunite. They were going to use Zemo, which I know Peter is very happy about behind the scenes right now. Um, they were going to build the movie around the Mad Bomb, which in the comics is this bomb that can kind of cause normal people to just like go crazy and start fighting each other. Because um, he basically said like that would have been a really interesting conflict for Steve to have to fight of having the physical civilians of the world be the enemy that he has to go up against. Um, he says they pitched it to Kevin Feige and Feige was like, that's not a big enough idea guys. And we were like, let's write a draft. We'll prove it to you. And Feige said, okay, prove it to me. And we were getting done with it. He pulls me into his office and he said, you know, I think we should try to do civil war. And I was like, Kevin, we don't have half of the stuff that's in civil war. We don't have the new warriors. We don't have, here's all the reasons why we can't do it. And he was like, go home, read it. Let's talk about it. So I went home that night. I read it. I reread it. And cause I had read it before. And I was like, we don't have the negative zone prison. There were so many things that we didn't have. Um, so it's really interesting to kind of know. I know we had like there was always the joke at the time of like Serpent Society could have been Cap Three if we hadn't gotten Civil War. But it's really interesting to know like the Mad Bomb of it all, um, and just knowing how Kevin kind of pushed the direction towards Civil War. Because I agree, movie's great for everything that it is, but it would have been really cool to see a Civil War with all of the comic elements that it actually had. But so, what do y'all think? Foggy used the Never Enough Uno reverse card on himself. Yeah. <laughs> He said it's not big. He went Kylo Ren more. Yeah. I mean, I love Civil War, so I'm glad we got it. But that sounds interesting. I, yeah. I do. Go go ahead, Leo. Now you, you started talking. You go oh, ahead. Um, well, I, I do wonder. Me and Jenna's quest for Serpent Society continues <laughs> unabated. Uh, maybe New World Order will just call the random hulks that end up being the bad guys, the Serpent Society, and we can finally claim victory and our watch will end. Um, but I uh, like Brandon. I love Captain America: Civil War. So whatever that had to happen, whatever he arm twisting he had to do, they came into a room. They're like, "That's your, that's your, that's your dog. I have him in this secret facility." Yeah, you I just think it's really, I think it's really cool to just be like, "Yeah, go home and read Civil War, and then use that as inspiration to write Civil War." Like that's the coolest homework of all time. But I, I've said on podcasts before, I always wonder what a true Captain America 3 would look like. Because no matter how many times I watch Civil War, it always feels like Avengers 2.5, which is not a problem. It's a great story. Um, but Cap's my favorite character, specifically the Steve Rogers iteration. Uh, and I would love to have seen him get that completed Cap trilogy. You can make all the arguments you want about Civil War being like the completion or even Endgame being the completion of his arc. But it's all a perspective thing. And whenever I watch Civil War, I see it as an Avengers movie. So this is a really fascinating concept to me. Uh, I would love 
to have seen what the full script would have looked like. But ultimately, when it becomes a this or that situation, I'm glad we got Civil War at the end of the day. Two things. One, I agree with your stance about the third movie bit. I would have loved, like, I feel that way about Spider Man. I love No Way Home, but I would have loved a third Spider Man movie to complete his trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to think about Captain America in that way. Um, and the second, just real quick, is Team Iron Man. That's all. That's all I got to say. <laughs> the beef, it never dies. They're good. Nope. <laughs> So we got, speaking of never dying, uh, we got <laughs> Dr. Strange 2 concept art uh, showing some deleted scenes of Strange fighting Nazis in World War II. And we, this movie is so funny because the deleted scenes are their own movie. They're like, better than the whole, movie. Huh? They're better than the movie. They're better than the movie. The deleted I don't know. scenes are always seeming to be better. I mean, I don't know, like... There's so much stuff. Like, so for those of you who haven't seen all the stuff, like, first of all, the Vault of the Brave thing is a deleted scene, right? 100%. That's like a thing that was supposed to happen. It didn't. There's a bunch of other stranges that were supposed to be running through this. There's a thing with him with a fez and a grinder monkey in one of the alternate you see realities. What <laughs> like, I'm like, what was this movie about to be? It was insane. Um, So that along with weird Hindenburg giant World War II set piece with poor Benedict Cumberbatch running around in, in a much more natural habitat for him as an actor than like the MCU. It sounds very, very interesting. I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to be one of those things like if they ever drop what the Derrickson like script for this movie was, it's going to be the Duel of the Fates thing yeah. again. Because uh, <laughs> I, I like Yes, this movie, the concept art and the things that we could have gotten could have been wild. I still wish we had gotten the Mr. Fantastic post-credit scene instead of what we ultimately got. But it's like the fact that the movie came together into what it did, given the circumstances of it, I still love it for that. I'm quoted on the DVD box, so I also have to be nice to the movie. (laughs) And I still genuinely enjoy it. But it is this thing of like, yeah, I would have loved to have seen the weird reality warping and all of these different soldiers fighting. Like that would have just been super cool. But I'm sure there's a good reason why that didn't end up happening. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying every time we hear of deleted scenes, not just in Doctor Strange, it's like Thor, Black Widow, all these just deleted scenes we hear of. It's like, man, why did they put them in the movie? That sounds so cool. I think the biggest one is the post credit scene, but no, I, I don't really have beef with Doctor Strange 2. I just think the first one was better. We'll yeah. see when we do our rankings how, how you really Ooh, December 7th. What a plug. Great job, Jenna. We are doing our MCU Phase 4 rankings show on December 7th. You can tune in live on YouTube and listen to us where all major podcast platforms are available or whatever I'm supposed to say there. All right. We're going to open this up to some questions from the comments section to round out our show today. We're not going to do a bonus episode for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Friday because uh, it's a bit of a you know holiday weekend. So I don't know everybody's availability and I just don't have the means to plan it myself because I'm also unavailable. So we will not be doing a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We will a special, special, a special, special, even though the special presentations are great and we do look forward to what you all think of it. We will still be covering it on Twitter and all that stuff. And next week on Wednesday, we will talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and spoilers. Uh, but we'll say that, you know, for the second half of the show, we'll do news at the top of it. Maybe somehow we'll pull off a uh, magical miracle of a, of a special guest, but it gets tougher around the holidays because people are still working and uh, doing stuff with their families. So with that, but all right, I stalled enough to get a couple questions in the comment section. Let's see what they say. Oh, yes. Can y'all discuss Guardians in more depth next week? We absolutely will, Julia. We hope you'll join us again. Uh, no, there are no. If Tony Gilroy could work on an MCU project, what would you want to see? Tony Gilroy, the writer of Andor and Rogue One. I'm two episodes behind on Andor as of today. I got to finish that show. It got really good, man. Um, anybody have thoughts on this? Well, I love the grounded MCU. And like everything from Andor just feels like a cool, like grounded, gritty spy espionage series. Um, so that that cap three we never got <laughs> like i'd love to see him do serpent yeah. society tony gilroy serpent society make it happen armor wars or or <laughs> yeah. uh secret invasion I haven't seen it yet but i think tony gilroy would have been good for secret invasion 
I feel like S.H.I.E.L.D., like something relating to the world of S.H.I.E.L.D., like some sort of espionage, spy thriller sort of thing, like Winter Soldier on steroids. I think that would be a cool fit. Uh, TVA series where one of the people figures out they're a variant and tries to unravel the conspiracy at the heart of it, and then Jonathan Majors comes in at the end and vaporizes them. Julia says, thoughts on if Iger coming back is going to affect Marvel in any major way. I don't think it's going to be any major way. I kind of think Iger stepped aside for some of the really difficult stuff. He saw it all coming and was like, I don't want to be the guy in charge when this all goes down. And then it all went down. And he's like, here's my chance to be the hero. Uh, And I think Bob Iger's return is mostly parks and experiences based. so yeah, I don't know what the effects could be other than maybe taking a look at Marvel and thinking like, okay, we're putting out too much and it's hurting the the size of the audience because they obviously want the biggest possible audience. Uh, and I think that the amount of Marvel content might be scaring some people away a bit. Not us, we're here, but you know, the casual viewer is not keeping up, I don't think, as much anymore. Maybe, but anybody else have thoughts on that? I agree about that. I also think like Adam wrote a really good piece on our site, basically asking like, could it lead to less mature Marvel content, like the Defenders verse and the more like kind of R-rated skewed sort of stuff. That's the one thing I could possibly see, but I, I feel like time will only tell at this point. Listen, they're gonna be too busy dealing with annual pass holder stuff and magic <laughs> key stuff to be over <laughs> here and uh, stuff. I, I, I told Nicole yesterday because she was talking about planning a vacation to uh, Disneyland. I'm like, I, me and Ariel went to Knott's for a scary farm a couple weeks ago. I've never seen so many annual pass holder bumper stickers in my life outside of Disneyland wow. or outside of Orange County than in that Knott's parking lot. Then people were like, we're taking our money over here. Like we we don't care. So they got that to deal with, I think. I'm not gonna lie though, I'm not an annual pass holder because I don't live in a state with a Disney park, but I do like the genie system. The scheduling like, thing is fine. That's that's cool. The money and some of the other stuff with it is a little dubious. Well, um, here, but okay, hold on. It, a, a fast pass like a Universal Studios or at Disneyland Paris. Is like $150 minimum per person. It's more expensive at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going off because I was looking at uh, Disneyland Paris because I want to go to Avengers Campus there. It's $100 to get into both parks, which is cheaper than anything here in America. But then it's $150 for the Fast Pass for the day. So I imagine if that was here, it's $250 per person. If yep. you go to Epcot right now and you download the Genie thing, it's $17 a person. You get to schedule what time you show up and get right on Cosmic Rewind instead of waiting in a three-hour line. That's $70 a person. Let's say you have a party of four. That's less than $80. If you had a party of four, that's $1,000 for a full day pass. I prefer the genie system. (laughs) I mean, are are you going to build a lightsaber at the Disney parks? Hell no. Which might cancel out the magic key a little bit. Um, Okay, you got me. Brandon, ask ask Funko's question. Because I think, I, I, I truly wonder about this. I haven't seen the holiday special, so I can't speak to it. Wait, what was the question? Do we think that all of the Guardians actors are done after volume three? I don't think all of them. I think some of them. I think we've, we've talked about it on the show of like, things might not be so great for Rocket. It feels like this might be the ending for Drax. But I feel like beyond that, anyone could probably justifiably stick around depending on how the narrative shakes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when a trilogy wraps in the MCU, it, it might be the end of the title character. But like, I don't think we've ever had a trilogy end and everyone is like done retired killed off etc so i think there is going to be a lot of permanent deaths and retiring that goes on in guardians 3 uh but i would be shocked if every single person was completely done they're just going to crash the ship at the end of it (laughs) on board like here's the finish you know one character died or had a full arc or whatever boom the ship just crashes into a planet that would be terrible uh no i i i uh who will be like i don't know who's gonna go on after this like i love there's not a character i'm ready to say goodbye to i could see chris pratt being ready to be done with this i know batista's ready to be done with this bradley cooper and vin diesel are catching cashing the easiest checks not that voice acting's easy by any means but by comparison to batista who's getting you know made up and zoe saldana and karen gillen who have to get painted every day i think if if you look at one versus the other, it's a lot less hours of work doing the, doing the booth. Uh, but I don't, I don't know, man. I do feel like we're going to lose a couple people and it's going to hurt. 
Geek Geek FYE says Nova's gonna crash into their ship. <laughs> no, James Gunn hates Nova. He he doesn't want another human character. <laughs> All right, y'all. It's just a matter of time until all those people go pop up in the DCU anyway. You know James Gunn's... If you look at James Gunn's resume, he recycles actors. He works with his friends. He made Guardians 2 for Michael Rooker. I swear it to this day, I believe that's true. Uh, And it's like the most Michael Rooker movie Michael Rooker's ever gotten in years and years. And he got to be the star of that one. It's a Yondu movie, and the Guardians are just in it. Now, I I, I like James Gunn and how he, he works with his friends, and I think that makes these actors keep coming back so the real question is who's going over to dc it's it's all fun and games until the batman 2 has matthew lillard is like clock clock court king or something (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right (laughs) y'all all right y'all that's gonna wrap up our show today uh, a little extent. You got some free phase zero, a little extra, a little extra minutes here today. Listen, look at my hair today. Listen, I'm fresh off the plane. I don't even know what day it is. I, <laughs> I just got back from violent night and I appreciate everybody who came out to that. I hope everybody has a good and safe holiday. If you're traveling, travel safe, spend some time with your loved ones, you know, all that stuff. We're getting into that time of year where we all get all mushy gushing, buy somebody a present, do something nice. Liam, any parting words for today's show? I'm just really thankful uh, for all of you. Uh, thank you for for bringing me on the show, Brandon. Thank you, Aaron and Jennifer. Great conversations as always. Uh, and yeah, it's been a really good fall, uh, just in terms of my personal life. So I'm I'm thankful for that, and uh, I'm I'm hoping to keep those good vibes going going into the holiday season. Liam's about to spill the personal tea out here for the world. Okay, I'm no, I'm just messing with you. I'm just that, I'm more happy for you, dude. You're you're a good dude, and I can't wait to see you keep growing. Uh, Aaron, you got anything uh, to end today's show with? Uh, a happy belated birthday to our fearless leader Brandon Davis. Uh, ah. they, seeing all of you celebrate him on the, in the community tab was really really nice this week. So thank you all. That's so wonderful. Um, also, I guess go watch Fighting Spirit. It's an episode of Power Rangers Dino Thunder where JDF fights himself, like as the White Ranger and the Red Ranger from Zio and the Green Ranger, and it is it hits a little different now. So, recipe to a legend. I appreciate the recommendation, Aaron. Jenna? Um, as always, go read some comics. Um, there's always great comics to pick up, especially this week. You probably have time to kill while you're waiting for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm excited to see what everyone thinks about the holiday special. Go watch Glass Onion this weekend. I'm plugging it, and I haven't even seen it yet, but I have tickets for Saturday, and I'm so excited. So, And just take care of each other, be nice to each other, and all of that. Glass Onion and the Fablemans, both in theaters this weekend. You got great options to go see them. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special Disney Plus on Friday. Please send us your thoughts. Drop them in the drop them in the community tab. Spoilers are welcome in the community tab as soon as these things are available to watch. So if you don't get a chance to watch it, stay steer clear of the community tab. Uh, but if you do, go ahead and share your thoughts. I love seeing what everybody thinks of this. And everybody have a good and safe weekend. Have fun. Uh, love y'all 3,000. We'll see you next week. <laughs>